future is now. And welcome to the SVK Crypto Podcast. 15 minutes of crypto failure. My name's Charles Story. I will be your host in the next 15 minutes. We're coming live from the city of London, Shoreditch. So let's get down to business. Today's show is going to have a slightly different format. We have on the show today one of the 21 elected block producers for the EOS blockchain on the show to basically tell us what's been going on, give us the inside scoop. We have been hearing about freezing of accounts. We've heard about many other governance-related uh, situations that have been occurring. So we really wanted to get one of the block producers on the show today to basically clear the air and for the community to further their understanding of what's been happening in the last 12 days or so. So let's jump straight into it. So on the show today, we have David Packham, who's one of the London block producers. David, how's it going? Very good, thanks, Charles. How's everything going at SVK? Busy, 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 but I made time to speak to you, David, because what is important is what's happening with the block producers at the minute. So I, I thought it was of high importance to get you on the show to let the community know what's been happening and to kind of clear the air a little bit. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that's that's a really important thing that we we all as a community need to start doing, which is, is really uh, having a lot of open flowing communication at the moment and uh, and making sure that we all understand some of the underlying reasons and actions of, of why different things are happening right now across the governance sector and uh, by, by block producers and, and why the community are feeling uh, concerned in some, some ways. So uh, I, I certainly think that's uh, a really important thing to do. Well, let's just take it from the start, David. So please explain the role of a block producer on the EOS platform for those who don't know, and then we'll kind of build in. Sure. So block producers on the EOS network and the EOS platform uh, it, it operates in a, in a uh, protocol known as delegated proof-of-stake. So for those not familiar, this, this differs from proof-of-work and proof-of-stake, which are staples of the likes of uh, Bitcoin and what Ethereum is gradually moving towards. Uh, what we have here is a concept whereby your tokens uh, equate to votes, amongst other things, and, and therefore EOS tokens enable people to vote for those they delegate uh, their, uh, to represent them as representatives of the network to run it. So it becomes, therefore, a, a, uh, a lengthy popularity contest to win the favor of the token holders. And that's exactly what we've seen over the last eight, nine months now in the community leading up to the launch, which is different groups from across the world deciding that they're going to launch a block producer candidacy and sell uh, themselves to the token holders and, and all the reasons why they should be voted in to be in that trusted role of the top 21 who are the ones that actually produce the blocks. So, uh, therefore, it, it's, you know, for us being a lengthy one of, of really making sure that the community understand what we stand for and also understanding where we can add value beyond the, uh, the technical and security side aspects of, of block production into, for example, building out uh, additional projects that are going to be used. And, of course, utilization of the token is also what will drive its value up in the future. Of course. Now, the EOS constitution has been a term thrown about in the news recently. What exactly is the EOS constitution? How does it affect the direction of the platform itself? So the EOS constitution represents a relatively new concept in, in blockchain in that we are for the first time trying a concept of, of blockchain governance, which is interestingly something that Vitalik Buterin has actually recently tweeted in the last couple of days <laughs> that he believes is indeed actually something that will, will be utilized and required. 
hand in hand with con- the, the Constitution is, is also an arbitration process for dispute resolution. So uh, the Constitution, in effect, sets out all of the, the laws of the, la- the blockchain land by which anybody who is a, uh, a holder of the tokens and wishes to interact economically on the system has to abide by it. And if they do not, there are going to be uh, potential consequences for them should they should they breach those. So it really is uh, not that dissimilar to uh, any kind of uh, constitutional or set of laws of, uh, that, that you will find, for example, in a, in a country. But it enables us to most crucially agree collectively on what we deem to be right or wrong. And from that, therefore, uh, it, it provides the, the framework within which uh, the arbitration service can make rulings regarding disputes. I got that. So, I mean, with regards to EOS, with regards to the block producers, you're one of the 21 block producers out there. You're part of EOS 42. You're in the mix. You understand what's been going on. I'm just going to jump straight into it. I mean, what's been happening with the 27 frozen accounts? Can you give me the insights? Can you tell me what what kind of happened there? Because I know the community want to know more. They want to know what really happened. And I know you have the inside scoop on that. Well, uh, yeah. And and you know what? You're actually... Just by the virtue of asking the question, are illustrating one of the biggest problems we have right now, which is a lack of transparency. So, ECAF, which is the EOS Core Arbitration Forum, was a, a, a creation uh, of part of the Constitution, and they, they were deemed to be a brand new service that would uh, provide arbitration for EOS, one of potentially many, but it, they would be the interim one that was uh, here before we all go out and vote and ratify both the Constitution and the arbitration. So uh, that has actually led to a lot of pushback from, uh, from the community. They, they are asking some very valid questions around who are these individuals. Nobody's elected them directly. Um, you know, they're making orders and we are not seeing the underlying um, detail and evidence behind this. Well, you know, the, these block producers are actually going and, and freezing accounts. You know, th- this feels like a fundamental potential overstep of, of what, what they should be doing. Um, you know, if, it, if it's these individuals now, it could be my account next. And, and these are all really important, valid concerns that have actually, by virtue of being expressed, shall we say, uh, fairly strongly <laughs> by, yeah. By, yeah. By, in, by individuals across the community, and of course we've seen uh, predictably those uh, who are opposed to blockchain governance having a field day on the likes of Twitter and Reddit, you know, posting all about EOS being, uh, you know, a complete joke, and and, and all that they have, most of the the information they are posting is inaccurate and just downright false. But it doesn't matter. It, it's for them. They they have a particular angle, but the community's concerns are valid. Um, so. What has actually happened is that uh, we started to become, uh, it, it became apparent that a lot of people, when they started trying to vote, realized their private key did not work. And as they started to look into that, they realized that they had been victims of uh, phishing scams when they went into register. So rather than doing things as they should have, they ended up getting scammed to use some sort of authentic looking site, handed over their, uh, their actual EOS uh, public private key. And, and voila, now, now it's not working. So this is where uh, the governance aspect of EOS is so powerful. Because if you think about it in, in fiat right now, in, in the main mainstream world of our own banking, if you get defrauded in some way, or particularly say on a credit card or in your own bank, you have recourse to actually uh, get certain protections and get your money back. 
uh, particularly as a consumer. These individuals are, are being afforded that same level of, of um, uh, potential protection. So what, what um, EOS 42 did, actually, one of, one of our um, guys, Liam, who is uh, our head of community for, uh, for China and South America, he, he of his own volition, completely without any, I'd love to say this was my idea, but he went off and set up EOS 911, which is a, uh, a group which was starting to pull together all these individuals reporting problems. And literally within 24 hours, this had mushroomed up to over a thousand individuals. Um, the, the block one um, developer, Sandwich, became a, a moderator on the group as well. And, uh, and it quickly became apparent we had a major problem across the community that needed to be at least considered. Uh, from that, we, EOS42, used one of our developers who is primarily working on Shintai, a token leasing platform right now, he built out a, an Ethereum contract for us, which would enable individuals to go in and prove they are still the con in control and owners of the associated e Ethereum account, not, not the EOS one, but the Ethereum one. And that, that was just us building up evidence in, in preparation for, uh, for further arbitration. But where this became very interesting then was um, as soon as the mainnet activated about uh, 11 or 12 days ago, at that point, individuals could finally start moving their tokens around. And as we discovered, a number of these accounts mysteriously unlocked. Uh, and there's a three-day, 72-hour unlock period for your tokens when you do uh, unstake them, which really gave us a very, very short, narrow window to make some decisions um, collectively as a community. Yes, we didn't yet have the structure of, uh, of the, the, the governance fully in place yet because we're, we're all a brand new and everybody's learning and, and developing out these processes as we go. Uh, but did, we had a choice. Did, did we actually arbitrarily, therefore, uh, freeze the accounts to enable ECAF to examine them further and make a decision with the consent of those who claim to be owners and have got some uh, reasonable proof, or do we not? And, uh, and so they, they have made those um, decisions to actually freeze those out. But where this is now becoming more, uh, more challenging is that, for example, Daniel Larimer said to me last night when I asked the question, should, should we as block producers just be blindly executing these orders? Is, is it for us to merely as block producers be the executors of this and for arbitration as an independent service to be the, the judge and jury? Now, I, I, that was certainly the sphere I had got from the likes of Thomas Cox prior to launch, and therefore that's what's in our current code of conduct. But Daniel Larimer said to me last night, no, he thinks we should, as block producers, always have an independent view on this too, and in theory be able to veto a decision or not, and explain why. So that adds a whole new dynamic into how this would work if that becomes the, the accepted consensus model. So, so as you can do, see, where do we go sorry. from here then? I mean, like with the frozen I, I, accounts, is there any clarity on that getting fixed? Is there any clarity on that being unfrozen? Yeah, well, so one of the biggest things that I've been starting to push uh, the ECAF the e service to do in their early days here is to, to give vastly more transparency to the community. So their pushback has been, well, releasing the evidence that we've got to date is of no use unless you release the, under, the associated identity. Uh, and and that, that is a potential risk to individuals, so we can't ever do that. And to which I say absolute nonsense, because it, that's a bit like saying why we shouldn't bother streaming uh, block producer calls because ultimately uh, they're of limited value for anybody concerned about uh, collusion and, and, and nefarious behavior of some sorts because they're not going to do that on the calls. They're going to do that in, in other forums. So nonetheless, that's not the point. The community have no visibility and, it, and by having that additional information, it enables, it empowers the community to therefore be more informed 
understand what's going on, and, it, and therefore be able to ask more and uh, more questions. So I think exactly the same personally uh, for applies with ECAF, which should therefore, as a matter of course, release at least some sort of accompanying evidence or links to uh, that evidence to enable the community to take a look and go, at least I have an understanding of what process is being followed here, and I can see that there is not some completely made-up scenario of a, a rogue arbitrator just going off and doing something. So uh, that is an open discussion as well that, that's going on right now. Uh, is, that, is that open between all the block producers or as a community? It, it's, it's an open discussion going on between the block producers, ECAF, and the community. Uh, right. A lot of this discussion is going on on the governance channel, on the block pros channel. Some of it's going on elsewhere. And I, I, I also um, threw a challenge out to the groups, which is I, I think we've got too many channels. It's, it's very difficult for the community <laughs> to really follow you know, uh, a, a coherent conversation on some of these matters now when some of the most insightful comments are, are not, not going to be visible to everybody. So uh, the, these are the challenges I think you, you're seeing a, a, you know, a virgin, burgeoning, small, new, brand new blockchain with governance yeah. um, in its earliest phases starting to, to face head on. You know, we're, we are building out a referendum contract at present to enable the community to vote and, uh, and to actually validate the constitution and the arbitration service in addition that will enable them to propose changes to all of that so that if they dislike aspects of what's being proposed in this interim side we can make changes um and, and this is just the start really, because it, it's fair to assume i think that the role of block producers will uh, adapt as well in response to community needs and and, and ultimately i think the same is going to go for governance Right, right. I mean, as you said, Edith, this is just getting started. We're 12, 13 days into this. Yeah. Teething problems will always be there. You had it with Ethereum when that launched. EOS, I think, has probably had less than Ethereum. If you look back at their launch, um, slightly different with the government's model itself. But I think it's incredibly interesting. It, it is, yeah. And, uh, and I think, actually, of course, what we're seeing as well is, is some massive impatience um, from, from people who just, in some, to some extent, maybe are not being entirely realistic that a system of this complexity with this number of people globally, with this number of aspects of moving parts in, in, in both technical and non, that, that there will be teething problems and there will be some, some challenges that we all collectively yeah. have to work through. So, of course. yeah, I, I would say to the community, actually, um, always express concerns. And it, uh, it, But if, if we can all collectively try and make sure that they're expressed constructively, that's going to be the best way for us all to stay cohesive and actually address them one by one and, and, and make sure that uh, you know we get on top of them but uh, I can certainly say yeah. from my own perspective I'm incredibly impressed with the block producers globally and I should say that that isn't just the top 21 that that's a huge numbers of the standbys that are um, distributed globally as well the amount of time and effort they're putting in to to do all sorts of crucial work right now to enable us to actually uh, move forwards is, is it's pretty inspiring because you know some people might have thought oh well once they're elected in everybody starts to you know relax a bit it, it quite the contrary if anything the pace has accelerated i think since launch well that's good to hear man it's good to hear you guys are, are cracking on with what you need to be doing you're listening to the community uh, you're trying to make decisions as a unit as a team and that's the way to move forward now David, what do you say to people who claim EOS lacks decentralization due to only having 21 block producers? This is a question that we hear on a regular basis. I'd just be interested to hear your response to that. I think it's one of the most common uh, criticisms of, of delegated <laughs> proof of stake, absolutely. And, and then you have to look at the, the fact that there is an inherent trade-off between 
the, the different uh, protocols that we have with, with public blockchains. Uh, for them to be trustless third, third party, but to have a, a healthy level of decentralization, we, we have a number of different systems at our, our, our disposal right now. Uh, proof of work, I think everybody can see, it, it just does not work on a range of levels. But of course, as well with the concept of mining pools, you only actually have to look at the way Bitcoin as a, 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 an organization is run. Um, actually, Daniel Larimer made a very good point recently, which is that all blockchains have a form of governance. And when somebody challenged him back to say, no, Bitcoin and Ethereum don't in any meaningful way, he said, of course they do. Whenever there's a technical crisis, you see the real governance step up and actually address problems. So it could be something like the Dow hack. It could be Mt. Gox. It could be, it, it, you know, technical um, issues that bring the network to a halt or require upgrades. You typically see the top mining pool leaders coming together with the top developers in, from the, the, the core developers who in effect represent the real governance of, of, um, of Bitcoin. And are they elected in any way, shape or form? No, they're not. And they're actually highly centralized. If you look at, therefore, uh, the way that the delegated proof of stake system works, take, take EOS 42. You know, we are directly accountable to the token holders. Every single thing we do, uh, we, we are only where we are because token holders have placed their trust in us to deliver value for them, both in terms of safe running of the network and increasing value for, for them in the long term. So that being the case, our interests have to be as aligned as possible, both for the token holders and the actual network itself. Any sub substantial deviation from that, and you will lose those votes. Right. right. So. And, and just to kind of clarify on that point there that, you know, if you're not in the 21 block producers at the minute, the, the, the community can vote you in at a further stage if they feel that you can do a better job than someone there at the minute. That, that's absolutely right. Yeah, I mean, I've right. seen a number of them that have been as low as uh, 35th on the list who are now in the top 21. Yeah. And likewise, some in the launch 21 who are down in the 30s right now. Now, actually, I would just say that is not a reflection necessarily on those individual block producers or, or, um, or standbys because we're seeing a lot of churn, obviously, as people are placing votes, unstaking them, you know, movement around. I, I think we're largely seeing uh, a, a more stable initial 21 um, forming now. But, but the, the key point is that this is a system that is designed to decentralize across 21, but then also to have a, a substantial number of standbys ready to take over at any moment. Thus, you know, you're in a position whereby you can um, exercise the power of token holders and actually remove them. So, it, it, you know, it, it, the one way to look at it is there's 21 different um, decentralized producers on EOS and there's probably about five on Bitcoin and, and six on uh, Ethereum if we look at it from the pool perspective. I, sure. I, think, I think it's very difficult to compare the systems fully, but I, I do think, therefore, those, those who, um, who throw the lack of decentralization one, that I think it's more than decentralized enough uh, as long as we as a community remain vigilant to uh, risks uh, and the long-term risks would be abuse of, uh, of power in different ways. And that could be in the governance side, the arbitration side, or right. the block, block producer side. So everybody needs to be, be vigilant from that perspective for me, for the health of the ecosystem long-term. But the flip side of this is that we have the most, uh, the, the most scalable platform for enterprise-grade uh, applications that we've ever seen. And it's incredibly exciting, therefore, to even contemplate the, the years ahead and what will be possible on EOS. Absolutely. I mean, we've got a lot of things happening with regards to the enterprise side. We're going to see a lot of big changes. It's not only good for EOS, it's also good for the whole space. 
But um, just really quickly, just on block producers, I mean, what is the breakdown of how block producers are paid for creating blocks? I know this information is out there, but this is just for yeah. users who have just see, kind of see, learned about this. Where, where pay is concerned, we have a non-transparency policy, so I can't tell you anything. It's, uh, <laughs> it's uh, yeah, I mean, the, the beauty of the blockchain, of course, is that actually um, everybody can just use uh, one of the blockchain explorers like EOS Flair and uh, look up your account name, so EOS42 Freedom, plug it in, and they can see exactly what the in ingoings uh, have been since launch. Uh, and they will be able to see two breakdowns in, in our case, um, although it will be one on a daily claim. So block producers and the standbys have to claim uh, on a daily basis. They can only claim once every 24 hours. So the block producers uh, and the standbys, uh, they get it issued a total of 1% of um, inflation of the token supply on an annual basis. Um, and that is broken down that a quarter of a percent goes to the, the top 21 for the fact that they are actually physically producing the, the blocks and doing more work on that side. And the rest, the other 0.75% of uh, inflation is split between the, all, all of those who are, who are going to receive at least 100 EOS a day. Um, and it is based on the number of votes. So therefore, um, in terms of the top 21, the, the one who's going to receive the most is, is placed at number one, which currently I believe is Bitfinex, and then it would be EOS Canada in second and so on and so forth down. Uh, and until you get down to a tail end of around about 53, 54th on the list, whereby at the moment we've got um, a cutoff point where those beneath that level are not, not getting paid anything. And, and that's led to some pushback from those individuals who are saying, look, you know, we feel that we've got a lot to add to the ecosystem here. The original design of this was to have more uh, and, and I think these are, yet again, are going to be valid discussion points for the, co the community to discuss after launch uh, and discuss whether or not we, we actually want to try and increase that number. Because, you know, it, it, it's a really it's a tough one, because when Daniel Larimer was asked on a call with the block producers that exact question, he was not at all concerned. And his point was that you could never have this scenario of 21 block producers being replaced by another 21 in a network failure because you'd have a Byzantine um, fault. So, so in that sense, you would only ever be able to have three or four at a time. So it was just interesting that uh, for someone who is the original architect of the likes of um, the Steam uh, system with 100 yep. backups, you, he he's actually seems to have gone a complete about face and seems relatively happy with about 30. So <laughs> I think it's, it's a lot for the community to digest, and we all need to understand that. But also we need a bit of time to see if this system works perfectly or whether we do want to adapt it. I would agree with that. Um, what I would also add to that, I mean, Block One has assembled an unbelievable team to support the EOS ecosystem, along with a select few VC firms, SVK Crypto being one of them. How do you see the EOS, or how do you see EOS developing over the next 12 months? I mean, because you're, you're in the trench itself, David, yep. you, you see what's going on in the block producer sector. I mean, how do you see this developing over the next 12 months? You've already hit on a key point being enterprise. Would you, be, would you care to elaborate on that? Yeah, I think I, I think Block One's strategy has been incredibly clever with regards to how to utilise the funds raised. Uh, I'm not even sure you're allowed to call it an ICO technically, are you? It's uh, it's a token offering that took a, took place over a year for the distribution. But nonetheless, whether we call it an ICO or not, and it's the you know the biggest ICO that has been seen. The point is they've taken a look at these funds and they they've understood that fundamentally. Uh, no ecosystem is successful without um, the, the oxygen of investment within it to enable entrepreneurs to achieve their potential and also for 
for the community to actually build without the oxygen of, of uh, investment that, that you're not, but also without therefore um, encouraging development across and uh, community that the, the ecosystem again will not flourish. So I think they've probably quite deliberately taken a look at their, their optimal strategy for competing with, with Ethereum once it achieves scaling post Casper and they, they worked out that this is a very effective means. So if you then look at uh, the 12 months beyond this, uh, I personally think where we're going to see the the most um, investment is probably going to be in those core uh, infrastructure related aspects of uh, of EOS that are most needed in these early days. So, for example, um, there, there are a range of services that are required on the blockchain for the community that don't currently exist. Um, there, there are ones relating to accounting, insurance. Um, you know, I know people keep talking about things like social media and Uber and so on and so forth, and they are very interesting examples. But I think where there is the most core demand from the users right now are going to be the aspects relating to secure um, holding of, of their tokens. Um, insurance um, is another big one, I think. And, and I think those are the sorts of services that actually, while they may not be quite as uh, instantly sexy to, to people and from a blockchain perspective, uh, the, the most in demand from the yeah. token holders. So um, I, I certainly think there's a lot of room for those um, to be driven out and developed out. Uh, beyond that, I, I think then really the sky's the limit. It's going to be the imagination of entrepreneurs. And it's also going to, of course, be the likes of y yourselves deciding as well, who, you know, what is the most compelling projects? Because to some extent, you're always going to be uh, limited by what you do and don't um, find is proposed to you so it will be just fascinating i think to see what what starts to develop out absolutely i mean one thing i can say for us at svk crypto is that we're inundated with new projects we're inundated <laughs> with new ideas and yep. that's something that we have to basically uh filter through and find what's going to add value for the eos ecosystem itself anyway david thank you so much for your time and your insight thanks a lot Charles. I just want to say a big thank you to David for making it on the show today. He's one of the 21 block producers out there for EOS, and he's also situated in London. So we had to get him on the show, and what we're going to be doing is getting different block producers' views on this as well throughout the upcoming weeks. So stay tuned for that. And remember, as always, to catch us on our socials. Hit us up on Telegram, SVK Space, space Crowd. You can also follow us on Twitter at SVK underscore crypto and you can also now follow me on instagram if you type in charles story c-h-a-r-l-e-s-s-t-o-r-r-y and you can also email myself c-story at svk crypto c-s-t-o-r-r-y at svk crypto.com that's a wrap i gotta bounce have a phenomenal evening morning afternoon wherever you are in the world and thank you for your time and attention because that's what we appreciate the most that's a wrap listening to an SVK Crypto Podcast original. Follow us on Twitter at SVK underscore crypto. Email us on cstory at svkcrypto.com. Leave us a message on our website, www.svkcrypto.com.